0: Okay, and so really on the calendar, we're right in between Christmas and New Year's. It's kind of a wasteland. I'm wandering around and wondering what day it is. I, You know, I woke up this morning at 1.30 thinking I slept in. Just kind of wandering in the wilderness for, for a week, but good thing that there is a light in the darkness. And that light is indeed Jesus. And it is traditionally the celebration of Jesus' birth. We're going to ignore the fact that it used to be a pagan holiday, the celebration of the winter solstice. But, you know, it's the darkest, shortest amount of daylight time of the year. That's the winter solstice. And it's also when the days start getting longer. I saw the moon and right next to it was Venus. Yeah, that was bright, wasn't it? It was this little sliver crescent of a moon. And yeah, it is the darkest time of the year. and Sometimes we're a little bit like plants. We do need a certain amount of sunlight to shine on us. For vitamin D, right? Is that the one? Okay, so yeah, this is when we traditionally celebrate the birth of Jesus. Now, we don't know when he was born. But we do know that he was born, and when he was born, the the angel Gabriel showed up. The first thing he said, he said, don't be afraid. Let's go there. Let's go to Matthew chapter 1. And I didn't bring my reading glasses, so I've got to take these off and then put them back on so I can see you. Matthew. Chapter 1, 18 to 25. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. When his, mother had been, when his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child by the Holy Spirit. Now this was prophesied. And Joseph, her husband, being a righteous man, not wanting to disgrace her, desired to put her away secretly. But when he had considered this, an angel behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David. Remember that. Do not be afraid to take Mary, your wife, for that which has been conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And she will bear a son. And you shall call his name Jesus, for it is he who will save his people from their sins. Um, the name Jesus, it says they'll call him Jesus. You will name him Jesus because he will save his people from their sins, right? right. So. Names have meaning. Jesus' name has a meaning. It means Jehovah saves. Uh Uh-oh. Paper lock. (laughs) Uh, My mother named me Carrie, and it's not because I can lift heavy things. It's just a coincidence. But... In this case, the name of Jesus means Jehovah will save us. He will save his people from their sins. Now, all have sinned. So all people need saving, including, including, uh, Mary. If you read in, in Luke chapter one, the Magnificat, the Magnificat, I don't know if I'm saying it right, but she said, I rejoice in God, my Savior. She was also a sinner who needed saving. But it is Jesus who will save us from our sins. He will save us from the consequences of our sins. He will save us from the consequences of our stupidity and of our fallen nature and of our evil, wicked desires. Uh, And the Messiah, you study through the Old Testament, we see over and over again prophecies regarding the promised Messiah in the Old Testament. The Hebrew people were expecting a Messiah. And if you study the song of Zechariah, Zach- you can see from his perspective that he was expecting a, uh, a like a warrior king to come riding in on a war horse and put the Romans under captivity and free his people and allow them to worship in peace. He, Jesus did do all those things, but not in the way that most of the people were expecting. Ah, And you could spend a lifetime studying the prophecies in the Old Testament regarding Jesus' entire life. And Jesus' birth, I think Rudy mentioned it last week or the week before, between 300 and 400 prophecies regarding the life and ministry and the birth. Death, resurrection of Jesus. They were expecting it. They were expecting a Messiah in the Old Testament. Ah, Testament, Testament. Who knows what the word Testament means? Close, very close. Very close. Um, a lot of people think that the word "testament" it means a a body of literature. A, a, a It really means covenant, covenant, a deal, a bargain, an agreement. The last will and testament. Testament. That's the old. Testament, the old covenant. Now the covenant is an agreement between two parties. And the Bible is an agreement between God and his people. Um, and sometimes it was unilateral, one-sided, God makes the deal. And sometimes it was bilateral, two parties. Um, that sent me in a... Uh, in a rabbit hole for an entire week studying covenant theology. Now, I don't really want to go there because that would be, you know, the days are short and we're short on daylight. But, but that is an interesting, very fascinating study. But there was a covenant between Adam and God. We start at the beginning. Why not, right? And that covenant was, don't eat the tree have knowledge of good and evil or you will die. Well, we know that story messed that up. Well, let's look at Adam. He says, the woman that you gave me, she just The the serpent deceived her and the woman that you gave me, she persuaded. He's trying to shift the blame anyways, but still. So in Adam, (laughs) he messed that all up, that covenant, that agreement. Uh, We go forward in time. There was a covenant with Noah. And yes, there was. There was there was a couple of things to the covenant with Noah. It was kind of a new start. A new a do-over, a mulligan, if you will. No, that's being a little bit disrespectful. Nothing happens outside of God's will and God's plan. But the world was so wicked, but Noah, it says in the text, this is uh it's gonna be in my notes have failed me. It's gonna be in Genesis. The Noah story—it's in the book of Genesis. It's very close to the beginning. Not long after Adam, people were still living about a thousand years, (coughs) and it was so wicked (coughs) that the thoughts and intents of their hearts was only evil continually. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. In whose eyes? the lord okay keep that in mind and so here's this this covenant you will be saved in the ark they go and the lord closes the door behind them him and his sons his wife his wife's sons what was it, a total of 8 people it was kind of a new start kind of a do over and with this covenant was a sign What was the sign? The rainbow. So the deal was never again will I, the Lord, destroy all life with flood. And I'll put my bow in the sky as a token, as a sign. So we got Adam, we got Noah. We got an Abraham covenant. That's in Genesis 17. I think I got it bookmarked. I think I do. Off with the glasses. Genesis 17, we'll start in verse 5. Verse 4. As for me, behold, my covenant is with you. And you shall be the father of a multitude of nations. No longer shall your name be called Abram, but your name shall be Abraham. For I will make you the father of a multitude of nations and I will make you exceedingly fruitful and I'll make nations of you and kings shall come from you and I will establish my covenant between me and you and your descendants after you throughout their generations for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and to your descendants after you. And God said further, okay, and I will, let's see, and I I will give to you and to your descendants after you the land of your sojournings, all the land of Canaan for an everlasting possession, and I will be their God. And God said further to Abraham, now as for you, you shall keep my covenant, you and your descendants after you throughout the generations. This is my covenant with you which you shall keep between me and you and your descendants after you, every male among you shall be circumcised. That's a big selling point, isn't it? And you shall be circumcised in the flesh of your foreskin and it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and you. And every male among you who is eight days old shall be circumcised throughout your generations. Servant, foreigner, Bought with money, a slave. It goes on to say that they'll all be circumcised. Now, circumcision. I don't need to explain this to. Yeah. Sometimes when this topic comes up in Sunday school, it makes for an awkward moment. Ask your mother. Ask yeah. your father. <laughs> Are they talking about that? Sometimes it's. Let's move on, because <laughs> it's awkward now too. Okay. Ah, circumcision, flesh and blood. Ouch. There was a covenant with Moses. There was a covenant that God made. Well, with, with, with Abraham, I did run out of time in preparing, but there was. It was highly unlikely that through natural means, Abraham was able to fulfill his covenant by having many children. There was two parts to his covenant. Where is it? Where is it? I think my notes are failing me. I will make a great nation. Your descendants will be like the sands of the sea or the stars in heaven. Also, all the nations will be blessed through your descendants. So it was a nation, a place, a and a people group and then the, everybody in the whole world forever would be blessed by the descendants of Abraham. Yeah, I'm not seeing it here. Blame the glasses. Oh, and, and, and Noah was in Genesis chapter 8. That's, your, that's some homework. So we have a covenant and we have a sign. The covenant is two parts many children, grandchildren, great-great-grandchildren, a whole nation that was the nation of Israel, the people of Israel, and that all people would be blessed through him. Yeah, and Moses, what was the covenant with Moses? The Ten Commandments, Right? Exodus 20. Ah, uh, let's see. Exodus 34, 27. Let's go there. You can explain it a lot better than I can. Let's see. Exodus 34, 27. And the Lord said to Moses, Write down these words, for in accordance with these words I have made a covenant with you and with Israel. That covenant is the Ten Commandments. Now there were several signs. That would be the tablets that he broke and that he ended up rebuilding. That's a sign. The Ten Commandments is the law given to Moses. There was a whole lot more explanation of the law. Another sign would be Sabbath observance. But let's just keep in mind the Ten Commandments. That is known as the Law of Moses. Now, God also had a covenant with David. What was the covenant with David? Can anybody think of that? No? Okay. We'll turn there and we'll read about it. It's, um, yes, a king. In fact, in the Israeli flag, there's a star, a double triangle, one up, one down, blue star. It is the star of David. David, who wrote, where'd it go? Our memory verse for the day. David, yeah, the psalm. David, who invented the electric guitar. What? What? Okay, so it was the the lute or something. Uh, the author of a great amount of poetry that appears in the book of Psalms. Uh, and more so. He was a man after the Lord's own heart. But we're specifically looking at the covenant that God made with David in Second Samuel chapter 7. Verse 12. We there? And when your days are complete and you lie down with your fathers, that's when he gets old and dies, okay? I will raise up your descendants after you. Excuse me. I will raise up your descendants after you who will come forth from you and I will establish his kingdom and he shall build a house for my name and sh- and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. And verse 14 I will be a father to him and he will be a son to me. <coughs> I'll just stop right there. The covenant of David. You're going to die. But after you die, your descendants are going to build a house for his name and establish God's kingdom and his throne. So it's a kingdom, it's a throne, it's a house. (coughs) We can look at that in a couple of different ways. The house of the Lord would be the temple that Solomon built. The son of David. Also, through his line, there would be a king forever. The descendants of David will have a throne, a king on the throne. And so part of the uh, prophetic expectation of the Jewish Messiah was that he was going to be of the line of David. Yes. It is not or. It is an and. Oh. Yeah. Abraham, yeah. He had children. He had sons. They had sons. That's one of the prophet. Yes, you're right. It is and. So he's going to be a descendant of Abraham. He's going to be a descendant of David. And the covenant that God had has had with David was it He's going to be king. It's going to have his house. There's going to be a kingdom. There's going to be a throne. There's going to be this kingly line. Like royalty. Not like royalty. Royalty. So, that is in no way inclusive of all the covenants and the covenantal theology of the Old Testament. Which means by the way, covenant. So if there's an old, there has to be a new. Just like if you order a medium soda, that implies there's a small and a large. That's just what we can... Okay, we do have a New Testament. A new covenant. And it was prophesied. It was prophesied and it was expected. And by some who failed to see the new covenant, they're still expecting a new covenant. Now, this was one of my favorite passages when I was discovering the Bible for the first time again. It's Jeremiah chapter 31. Jeremiah chapter 31, verse 31. We're going to spend a little time in here. Okay, starting in verse 31, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord. The days are coming. That means at this point in time, they hadn't happened yet. Prophecy, okay? Here's the prophecy. The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant, covenant, new covenant, with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. Same people group. Israel includes Judah. Not like the covenant which I made with their fathers in the day that I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt. That would be the covenant God made with Moses and his people. Which they broke. Although I was a husband to them, declares the Lord. But this is the covenant which I will make with the house of Israel after those days. After those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them. And on their heart. And I will write it. And I will be their God, and they shall be my people, and they shall not teach each other. Each man his neighbor, and each man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me. From the least of them to the greatest of them, declares the Lord, for I will forgive their iniquity and their sin. I will remember no more. So here's the prophecy of a new covenant, New Testament, prophesied in Jeremiah 31. The days are coming. That means they're not there yet at that point in time. It's a prophecy. It's a covenant with Israel, with Judah, with the Hebrew people, with the Israelites, the descendants of Abraham, which includes the descendants of David. It's not going to be like the old, That's what it says here. It's not like, and what's he going to do? He's going to write his law in them, in their heart. And I will be their God and they will be my people. Everybody's going to know who God is. And here's the kicker. And I will forgive their sin and forgive their iniquity. And their sin I will remember no more. Now, this is God speaking. If He's going to forgive, it's going to be a perfect forgiveness. And if you remember no more, you could say, forget, right? Remember no more, forget. The same thing. Whatever God does is perfect. He's going to have a perfect forgetfulness of our sins. What sins? That has some fairly serious implications. So it's going to be a new covenant, not like the old one. It's going to be with Israel. I will be their God. They will be my people. Now, under the Mosaic law, there was a passage and it was uh, metaphorical. He says, I want you to take the law, write it down and strap it to your foreheads. You ever had a teacher or a parent say, I'm going to write this on your forehead. You've said it. They tie it to your hand so that you remember. You, your children, and your children's children all the way. So what do they do? They write a real small, roll it in a little tube, put it in a little box and strap it to their foreheads. It's called a phylactery. It was metaphorical language. They would tie things around the wrist so they... They actually did that. They took it very literal when God just says, just remember this, remember my covenant, remember this. And then he says, okay, I'll make you a new covenant with the house of Israel, with the descendants of Abraham, including the descendants of David. I will forgive your sin and I will remember it no more. It's a perfect forgetfulness, a perfect forgiveness. It is a new covenant. They had lots to look forward to. The next passage that I want to spend some time in is in Ezekiel 36, another one of my very, 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 very favorite passages of discovering the Bible for the first time. Again, you know, I it's a Ezekiel 36, and I'd carried the Bible across to international borders and had it with me and never bothered to really open it and eat and drink freely and be fed and to find out what it really says until the first time before that it the language would just go wah 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 like peanuts you know the trombone and the toilet plunger thing wah 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 wah. but reading this discovering it for the first time made my mouth go dry and my eyes go wet. Ezekiel 36, let's start in verse 25. And this is God speaking. Verse 25, Ezekiel 36. Then, implying a time in the future, I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. Now, if somebody's really dirty and you just sprinkle water. Does that make them clean? We just make more mud. It's a metaphorical language. <clears throat> then I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. I will. I will cleanse you from all your filthiness and from your idols. Moreover, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. Who said I will? The Lord. Lord. I will. He will. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes, and you will Be careful to observe my ordinances. Then he goes on to give them a promise. You will live in the land which I gave to your forefathers. That would be Abraham. Moreover, I will save you from all your uncleanness, and I will call for grain and multiply it, and I will not bring famine among you. And it just continues on with with promises like that. But what I want to focus on is, who did this? God did this. He'll give you, give them, give you, give us a new heart. God does it. A heart of flesh where there was a heart of stone. Metaphorical language. We don't have hearts of stone. But it's as if they were hearts of stone because they're hard, unflexible, unlearning, unwilling. They're set in their ways. But he's going to change all that. Make it new. A heart of flesh, pliable, soft, organic. And it's God that does that. He's going to put a new spirit in you. That's prophetic. I will. And he did. Remove the heart of stone. Replace it with the heart of flesh. God does the spirit thing. And he will cause you to walk. That's not something we do. It's he causes us to walk. What he says here, just be careful to observe my ordinances. And you will live in the land that I gave to your forefathers, so you will be my people. And I will be your God. It's not maybe, it's not might, it's not maybe, it's shall, will be this is the new covenant this is the sign and a sign of the new covenant it's absolutely remarkable and it's also echoed repeated in early in, in ezekiel and my notes have failed me ezekiel 11 same language a new heart a new spirit Okay. That's okay. So here we have the prophecy in Jeremiah of a new testament, a new covenant. We have a description of the new covenant. The new testament. As we look forward to the new year. It's just a coincidence this is happening today. <laughs> In Luke 22, that's believe me, that's not the only place. In Luke chapter 22, 19 and 20, Jesus himself speaks of this new covenant. It's also in Matthew 26, 25. It's also spoken of in 1 Corinthians 11, 25. By the way... Next week is communion and potluck. Rudy left me very specific instructions to remind everybody about potluck and communion. Most importantly, communion. So Luke 22 verse 19 is kind of a reminder of that. And he had taken some bread and given thanks. He broke it and gave it to them saying, this is my body. Which was given for you, do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, he took the cup after they had eaten, saying, This is the cup which is poured out for you. It's the new covenant, the new covenant in my blood. So there's the new covenant. It's Luke 22, and it's verse 19 and 20. It's the Last Supper. Jesus sat down with his 12 apostles. They broke bread. They drank wine. It was the Passover. It was the season of the Passover. One of those things that Moses told Israel that you'll do this every year, same day every year, so that you remember forever and ever. It was pointing to this moment in time, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This new covenant in his blood. Now, metaphorical language again, just like wicked people don't have hearts of granite, of silica, of stone. It's a metaphor. We don't actually eat his flesh and drink his blood, but it's metaphorical language. It means we take him inside us. That's that new spirit that he's promised to put within us. Now, a couple of weeks ago, Rudy made a mention of the sign of Jonah. Jonah. And there was a question. What is the sign of Jonah? We could turn there, but I think I just want to touch on it. The sign of Jonah, it's in Matthew chapter 12, verse 39 and 40. The sign of Jonah. You know the story of Jonah. God told him to go to Nineveh. Go east. He went west. Ended up in Spain. Went the wrong direction on a boat. They discovered why he was on the boat, headed the wrong direction. They threw him off the boat, and a big fish or a whale swallowed him up. And he spent three days in the belly of the whale, which I'm sure is fairly nasty, if not lethal. And then a the whale spit him back up, and there he was alive on the beach, covered in whale meal whatever the whale had been eating, had to have been absolutely nasty. Well, the sign of Jonah, Jesus says, just like Jonah spent three days in the belly of the big fish, I, Jesus, I will spend three days in the tomb, which is not a very nice place. People don't come out of tombs alive, just like after they've been eaten by a fish. They don't come out of there alive. But he did. He did. And he did. So that is a sign of this new covenant. Now in Luke chapter 9, let's backpedal a little bit. An important transfer of administration. An amount of transfiguration. This is uh, Luke chapter 9, starting in verse 28. Some eight days after these sayings, it came about that he took along Peter and John and James and went up into the mountain to pray. And while he was praying, the appearance of his face, this is Jesus, his face became different and his clothing became white and gleaming also. Now, if you read about Moses coming down from the Mount Sinai with the Ten Commandments, his face was glowing. We'll uh, just continue reading. And behold, two men were talking with him and they were Moses... And Elijah. I can only imagine what they were talking about. I don't think it was fish. Two men were talking with him, and they were Moses and Elijah, who, appearing in glory, were speaking of his departure, which he was about to accomplish at Jerusalem. Now, Peter and his companions had been overcome with sleep, but when they were fully awake, they saw his glory and the two men standing with him. And it came about as these were parting from him. Peter said to Jesus, Hey, uh, Jesus, shall we make him a booth, a tabernacle? Shall we make three of them? It came to pass, as they were parting from him, Peter said, Jesus, Master, it is good for us to be here. And let us make three tabernacles, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah, not realizing what he was saying. And while he was saying this, a cloud formed and began to overshow them, and they were afraid as they entered the cloud. And a voice came out of the cloud saying, This is my son. My chosen one. Listen to him. So Peter, James, and John, they were witnesses to this. They were told not to speak of this. Who else was there? Jesus, Moses, and Elijah now Moses is the one who is I was going to say responsible but that wouldn't be entirely correct. Moses is the one who gave Israel from God the Ten Commandments, the law of Moses and Elijah we just read some of the words of Elijah and New heart, New Spirit. And it was Jeremiah that he wasn't there, but uh, he spoke of the new covenant. This would be the law because Moses is, is the one who gave the law and the prophet Elijah, the law and the prophets. Sometimes you, as you read, you'll see the law and the prophets. They'll speak of, of the law and the prophets. The law would be, you know, the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Old Testament. The prophets would be Isaiah, Ezekiel, Jeremiah, Habakkuk, (coughs) Zechariah. And Jesus made the claim that (coughs) the law and the prophets was about me. It was about him. Prophecies about him. And what did God say? This is my son, my chosen one. Listen to him. Probably because he had some important things to say. Now, this also, this event was prophesied, at least in part in Deuteronomy 18. You don't have to turn there, but I will read this. This is another one of my favorite scriptures, discovering all kinds of stuff in Deuteronomy 18, all kinds of... But we will... uh, Just skip to the verse 15 in Deuteronomy 18. The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me. Like me would be Moses. This is Moses speaking. A prophet like me from among you. You being the Hebrews, the Israelites, the nation of Israel. From your countrymen. Same, same. You shall listen to him. This is according to all that you have asked the Lord your God at Horeb on the day of assembly, saying, let, not me, let me not hear again the voice of the Lord my God. Let me not see his great fire any more lest I die. And the Lord said, They have spoken well. I will raise up a prophet from among their countrymen like you. I'll put my words in his mouth. He shall speak to them all that I command him. And it shall come about that whoever will not listen to my words, which he shall speak in my name, I myself will require it of him. It continues on in verse 20. I just want to read it just because. But the prophet who shall speak a word presumptuously in my name, which I have not commanded him to speak, Oh, which I will speak in the name of other gods, that prophet shall die. That's just gotta be there. But he's gonna put his words in this prophet's mouth. He's gonna speak, and if you don't listen to him, he's gonna require it of you. That is a prophecy about Jesus, who's Jewish. He's going to put his words in his mouth. It's going to be uh, the nation of Israel. And you shall listen to him. That was affirmed when the voice from heaven said, listen to him. That's not the only time where uh, somebody has told people to listen to Jesus. At this very first miracle, it's recorded in the book of John. It's his first miracle where he turned the water into wine Mary says they have no wine he says what have I got to do with that then she told the butler and the servants whatever he says do it good advice it's a misapplication of the passage but it's good advice whatever he says do it listen to him Uh, let's see John chapter 5, it says, I will put my words. Or, it's a fulfillment of that prophecy where he says, I don't speak of my own, but the words that my father gives me. I don't bear witness of myself. John chapter 5. He says, hey, you didn't believe Moses, you won't believe me. He says, if you believe Moses, you would believe me. Because I speak not of my own. We could go there, we could read all these passages in John chapter 5 where Jesus says, I'm not of my own. I don't speak my own. And it's the Father that bears witness of me, which indeed he did to Moses, to Adam, to Abraham, to Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Zechariah, Habakkuk, Nahum, Jonah, So we have. We have a passage in Galatians chapter 3 that talks about the law being a curse. The purpose of the law was to show us our guilt. There's just Ten Commandments. It should be easy, right? And we could go through them. You ever told a lie? Okay. We could continue on nine more and be miserable failures. Good thing there is a new covenant. The law, it was absolutely designed to show us our guilt. In Galatians 3, it says that the law is the schoolmaster. The law is the tutor, the kindergarten teacher that brings us to Christ. After we're in Christ... We don't need the tutor, the kindergarten teacher, the schoolmaster anymore. That would be Galatians 3, 24 and 25. Galatians 3, 13 and 14, the law is the curse. Cursed is everyone who hangs upon the tree. That's an Old Testament that he's quoting in the new. In Christ Jesus, in the new covenant. We've got some good stuff in Hebrews. he actually quotes Jeremiah chapter 31 I don't think we need to turn there but the author of Hebrews is quoting Jeremiah chapter 31 I've got too many pages marked it was just and of course the Bible always speaks more eloquently than I hebrews this is the covenant that i will make them make with them after those days say the lord i will put my laws upon their hearts and upon their mind i will write them and their sins and their lawless deeds i will remember no more this new covenant is a fulfillment of that prophecy uh first corinthians chapter 15 that's where i really should have gone amazing chapter 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and the gospel is defined it's about the resurrection of Jesus causing the resurrection of all men but here we are in uh, verse 22 1 Corinthians 15 22 for as in Adam all die so that Something, whatever that happened with Adam being disobedient has an effect on us. Like Adam is some kind of father of all mankind. Like some kind of head of the family. For we are, if we are in Adam, we're going to die, right? For as in Adam all die, so in Christ shall all be made alive. And turn the page in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 45. So it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living soul. The last Adam became a life-giving spirit. However, the spiritual is not first, but the natural, then the spirit. The first man is from the earth, earthy. The second man is from heaven. Okay, the first Adam, we know who the first Adam is. Adam. Second Adam, that's Jesus. That's who this entire chapter is about. It's about his resurrection and it's about being in Christ. <clears throat> so the second, the last Adam, became a life giving spirit. That's that new spirit that he's going to put within us, spoken of in Jeremiah, quoted in Hebrews chapter 10. The spirit is not first. Think on that for a minute. We're physical first. We're earthy, earthly, earthy first, and then spirit. So first we're born of the flesh. Then we're born of the spirit. And that spirit is that life-giving spirit. This is Jesus. This spirit, this new spirit spoken of. This new heart. This new walk. This new covenant. This blood. It's all about Jesus. He does it. I will, I will, I will. I will cause. I will put, I will create. Born again. Again. If you've got a new heart, new spirit, new walk, this perfect forgiveness, this perfect forgetfulness of our iniquities, it's very well described in John chapter 3 when Jesus says to Nicodemus, You must be born again. Then he gives a great discourse in spirit. It goes where it will. It's like the wind, you can't see where it comes from, you can't see where it's going. You're a teacher in Israel and you don't know this? We found this in the old covenant pointing to the new covenant and Jesus says you must be born again. A new heart. A new spirit. Forgiven. Walk. You must be born again. That's pretty new. That's pretty new for the new year, isn't it? Let's... uh Let's finish up with uh, Revelation chapter 21. Now, I had it in my mind, and I love it when I'm wrong. And its origin, its source was the movie, The Passion of the Christ. And Jesus passes by His mother on His way to being crucified. And He says, Behold, I make all things new. I went to look for the Scripture passage where Jesus says to His mother, I make all things not there couldn't find it that just shows that my skull meat once I get an idea in my head it's struggled to get it back out and I've been wrong about this for years in my mind he did not say that to Mary at that point in time so we can blame Mel Gibson for that however he did say this in Revelation 21 speaking of things new And this is John writing, Revelation 21, verse 1, And I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. There is no longer any sea. And I saw the holy city, new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God made ready as a bride Adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is among men. And he shall dwell among them. And they shall be his people. And God himself shall be among them. And he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And there shall be no longer any death. There shall no longer be any mourning or crying or pain or the, the first things have passed away. And he who sits on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. And he said, Write. For these words are faithful and true. And he said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. And I will give to the one who thirsts from the spring of water. The spring of the water of life without cost. And he who overcomes shall inherit these things. And I will be his God and he will be my son all things new new heart new spirit new walk a new forgiveness and new covenant in his blood now this is jesus he makes all things new not just this little wasteland between christmas and new years this little wilderness but all things instead of the Greek and find out what the word all means in Greek it means all it does right it means all things new so let's have a new year let's have a happy new year not in Adam not in Moses not in Abraham And not in David a new year, a new life, a new walk, a new heart, a new spirit, spoken of by Jeremiah the prophet, spoken of by Ezekiel, spoken of by Jesus himself. I make it new. I will. I will. I did. I shall. What does he want from us? To observe. Open our, minds to him. Open our hearts to him, to love him. With all our heart, might, mind, and soul, to surrender to Him, we can't. We can't have it in our mind. I got this. or some of that too. No, surrender to Him. Believe Him. Receive Him. There was a sign to the New Covenant. Covenant. The sign. Baptism, communion, worship. And we sometimes quote Ephesians 2 8 and 9. We've just about got that memorized. We're saved by grace through faith. And not of me and my meathead, not of works, not of ourselves. Lest. I go on boasting about me. Yeah, it's a gift. God did, where He says, "I will." And then, verse ten, Ephesians two ten. Walk. I've created this for you to walk, my good works, for you to walk in them. He does talk about the Christian walk, so that's where I start the sermon. Right, the Christian walk. No. It's finished. It's finished. He he did it. He's doing it. And he will continue to do it. He's not going to start something and not finish. He's not going to let his word go out and return void. He's going to do it. He is doing it and he will do it. <coughs> to who? Upon whom his favor rests. He will. He does it. And so... This is something that God does that He did, and that he is finished on the cross in his body, this forgiveness, this new heart, this new soul, this new spirit, He did it for us and in us and to us. So this season of Christmas, this season of Easter and of New Year, it's about Jesus and let let's let's keep it about Jesus. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for your word. You've spoken it much more eloquently than I could ever even read it. You've described it so clearly, this gospel, this good news, this forgiveness of our sins. Father, we pray that you would continue to do that work in us and cause us to walk, that we would seek your face and call ourselves by your name and enjoy You and this new covenant that you have started, that you prophesied, that you'd started, and that you have finished. And Father, we look forward to the coming of your Son for the second time. Father, bless us. Have your way in us for the rest of the week and bless us to be new, to be made new, to be new creatures, new creations. In Jesus' name. Amen.